This is Marriage Grit, robust, real marriage talk with Jason and Emma Schroeder. Welcome to Marriage Grit. Grit, by definition, is courage, passion, resolve, and strength of character. We are excited to stand with you as together we build these sorts of marriages. This is what we believe a Jesus gives life to the full marriage looks like. Hello, Mrs. Schroeder. Hello, Mr. Schroeder. Hello, everybody. Nice nice to have you with us. Uh, Yes. And we are diving into Expert Mini 5. Five. Five. Point one. Five is alive. High five. It reminds Mm. me of our children in their younger years. High five. So today... (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Just a little (laughs) introductory segue there. One, two, three, four. Uh, Today, good people, we are bouncing out of the text, The Meaning of Marriage. And so we have covered a range of experts in this season in 2023. And so finishing off the year, October and November, The Meaning of Marriage... By the late, great Timothy Keller. Indeed. With his wife, Kathy, she has contributed to this text as well. And so, look, this has become a bit of a, a firm favourite, 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 published around a decade ago. So I would encourage you to get your hands on it. We're really just going to land today in chapter one. Uh, which is the (laughs) first chapter. Look at that. That's surprising that the first chapter is actually chapter one. If you're listening Uh, with your spouse, just look at them and say, wow, wow. this is deep already. Uh, So we're just going to kind of thumbnail a a few key things with this text. Now, look, some of this... we have covered in various ranges and forms in in other seasons, in mm. other episodes, but really love and appreciate Keller's heart, uh, his research, his cultural commentary, and it really like there's a real richness and thickness to the way that he explores marriage in this text. So it will yeah, p- potentially give some, you know, more robust, more thickened kind of perspective mm. to topics that you're quite familiar with. Or springboarding from his incredible strength in the word. Exactly, yeah. So I'm going to just, uh, page number 10, the purpose of this book uh, is for those spouses who have discovered how challenging day-to-day marriage is and who are searching for practical resources to survive the sometimes overwhelming fiery trials of matrimony and to grow through them. Uh, our society's experience with marriage has given us the metaphor the honeymoon is over. This is a book for those who have experienced this as a literal truth and may have fallen back to earth with a thud. <laughs> Maybe that sounds like you. You're like, I'm going to come and get this book immediately. Uh, page 15. So and, then. And so, just if you're listening and yep. you're an engaged couple and you're like, never us. <laughs> never in a million never. years. We're going to do this so better than everyone Everybody else. We're not going to listen to anybody else because we're super. We got awesome. this covered. Maybe we've all been there. Yeah, it's, we indeed were. Maybe God has a bigger story than yeah. we can yet see. So then the purpose, the plan of this book, Keller tells us on page 15, is that he says that the substance of this book is to draw on St Paul's great passage of marriage in Ephesians 5, not only because it is so rich and full in itself, but also because it connects and expounds on the other most important biblical text on marriage in Genesis 2. And I love what actually the back of the book says Keller says that the Bible begins and ends with a wedding. Marriage is God's idea. Its concepts and roots are in God's own action. And therefore what the Bible says about God's design for marriage is crucial. So really the the signpost of this entire book 
is that Ephesians kind of five mm. passage, and so we obviously we spent all last season in there. Sorry, mm. babe. Yes. Yeah. All good. So can we just take a second? And marriage is God's idea. Mm. If you're married here, listening to this, then just invite God back into your marriage space with fresh capacity, fresh unction. Lord, I invite you. I need your active work mm. in me, mm. in my spouse, in our marriage. Do miracles in us and through us. You may continue, darling. Thank you. Amen and amen. Mm. So really this chapter, this book begins then with what's called the secret of marriage. And I just want to kind of pick up on a couple of things, which, you know, potentially are obvious, but again, love the way that Keller kind of draws down on it. And he really explains that there has been a seismic shift in marriage in recent history. And so uh, he talks about that there has been a change in the way that marriage is perceived. And so he quotes here, marriage used to be a public institution for the common good, but now it is a private arrangement for the satisfaction of the individuals. Marriage used to be about us, but now is about me. I, I think we need to like sit in that for a, that's a, hmm. 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 <laughs> We'll come back. We'll circle we around up. those themes. Yeah. And so essentially there was this this idea that whilst marriage now is about me, it it then places now what Keller calls crushing burden of expectations uh, and now placed on us picking the right person and getting it right because the role of a good marriage is to make us happy and fulfilled. And I want to quote here, ironically, this newer view of marriage actually puts a crushing burden of expectation on marriage and on spouses in a way that more traditional understandings never did. And it leaves us desperately trapped both between both unrealistic longings for and terrible fears about marriage. And so there's this concept in society now that you have to get it right. You have to find this soulmate that the cosmos or the cherub has destined for you and that in, if by picking them, you will have this incredible compatibility, that this person will meet your every desire, uh, that they will be utterly compatible with you, and that they will see you and know you, and you don't have to change for them. So this whole kind of concept of they will see me and accept me fully and wholly for who I am, and that they will meet every expectation I have. So there's this incredible idealism that is now in, embedded in mm. marriage but what that is actually bred within people paradoxically is this whole kind of pessimism that nobody now in secular context really wants to get married because we we are desperately wanting not to get it wrong so our whole understanding culturally of what marriage is and is supposed to do and is supposed to bring us is flawed yes and so it's easy to stand from the outside and kind of point at this and, oh, yeah, oh, look at the world. Look at that. I, I would never. But I think for all of us to take a step back and go, how much of this paradigm has soaked into me? How much am I expecting my spouse just to accept me as I am? How much am I expecting them to fill my desires? Because 
both of those are such flawed statements, such flawed perspectives. Someone accepting us as we are, even just in that, babe, it's like, it's kind of saying that I don't need to change anymore. Yeah. Accept me as I am because who I am is who I'm going to be. The best I'm going to get. Yeah. And, and I'm not, that's not taken into account at all that I am a, a person on a journey of becoming more like Christ. I actually need to change. And so as you're listening here today, you desperately need to change and look more like Christ. And so do we. And that's not a dragging burden. That's a glorious call and wondrous opportunity. Yeah. And God uses our spouse to do that in ways that are wonderful and uncomfortable. So then Keller just talks about, you know, that essentially this this whole low, like this high bar of low maintenance, that essentially what you're looking for in a spouse or what what should describe a good marriage is someone who's low maintenance, mm. who's essentially making you feel happy and there's a sense of ease that if I love you and we love each other, this should be easy and happy. So as you said, Jace, it's like there's, there's no bar, there's no... Uh, posture of growth it's just like it should be easy and lovely and happy and I should feel good in every in every instance and that that's what we're looking for that determines our compatibility so so again if we just pause for a second and go okay so maybe you're here and you're married and so whatever has happened to get you to the point of being married you can't go back on those decisions but how much in you right now are you still leaning in looking for them just to accept you, maybe more than be used by God to help shape you? And then how much are we even subconsciously looking for them to fulfill our desires as opposed to, again, being used to help form us into the image of Christ? And then in that beautiful journey that then maybe our desires that we wanted to get met actually get completely reformed. So where are you at? Where are you at? And so then he kind of rounds out this sort of this portion of the book by basically saying a marriage based not on self-denial but on self-fulfillment will require a low or no maintenance partner who meets your needs while making almost no claims on you. Simply put, today people are asking far too much of the marriage partner. Far too much. And it's like it's kind of like that hero worship thing and it's and it's interesting and there's a whole other kind of cultural study on that, but it, but essentially it's like a bit of a saviour complex that, that people are looking for in their spouse mm. for them to ultimately save them, to fulfil everything they want, to be all that they need to be, and yet it doesn't require anything of me. And so this is incredibly idealistic land, but but this is actually what is pervading culture right now. That sense of fulfill all my needs, make me feel good. Marriage is about happiness, not holiness. You accept me as I am and that somehow we will just get through and this will work by a bit of luck, a bit of whatever, and or, until the feelings fade. Yeah, well, or, or even just a false understanding of, of the ways of God. And so if... If really this marriage is blessed by him, then shouldn't it look easy? Yeah. Like, shouldn't this just work because he's in it and yeah. he pulled us together and so bang, this should just be amazing. And 
again, that's that's a false understanding of how God moves in us and through us and what the covenant of marriage is. Yes. And it's about what it produces through us far more than the feelings that it gives us. Yes. But in a feelings-based culture, we have elevated them to a place. And man, this is a, you know, if, we, if I bring it home for a second, I, I have to battle with this daily. Mm. I think there is a... There's an, I'm, I'm a very feelings-driven, experiential person and have big big feelings. Big feelings. And, and so I came into marriage without even realising it, expecting M to fulfil my desires in ways that aren't actually right or biblical yeah. or what God has promised. But I had put them all in that basket Yeah. that if she's the wife that God wants me to have, then she will meet my needs and maybe I didn't say it that explicitly. Um, that's probably not a great idea, fellas. Uh, but this thinking that, yeah, if God's really blessing us and this, then that's how it should be. Yeah. But that's elevating my needs to a place that, or, or my desires, say. Ne- needs are in a slightly different, different category. That's a slightly different discussion. Yeah. But it's assuming that all of my desires are firstly right. Yes. And then secondly, that she's the one who's been given responsibility to meet them. Yes. And putting too much in that basket yeah and so i i think it's something i have to manage possibly daily yeah okay and and i think for all of us to to just and again you may have heard this talked about you may have heard us talk about this before but we just felt to to sit in it in this episode and to really let god search our hearts Mm. and really do some some decent work there to go man what parts in me and maybe maybe you can see the uh, the presence of this through current frustrations. Yes. And maybe those frustrations are actually more of a gift to shape you mm. than you've put it in a bucket of just my desires aren't being met. Yeah, or, or accept me or love me or he should just or, you know, that tendency to to point it in the direction of somebody rather than necessarily consider mm. the, the work that God wants to do in us. And mm. I, I know you've talked about it a lot, babe, where where some of that frustration at me because I'm not potentially perceiving or fulfilling your desires e- even now. And we're not just talking sexually, we're talking in all, all manner of things. And so a default setting in you has now become to pray, right? To pray mm. for me specifically mm. and like, Help me, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, it's. I think it's become clearer, and uh, I think hopefully this is the journey that we all go on. Yeah. Where as we do life in in community, we learn from each other as we study the Word and pray and and let the Spirit move and work in us. That we we do we get to see things and we and we do find what what helps and what hinders, uh, and to go okay, the the heartbeat of uh, Ephesians five twenty five is God help me love my wife as you love the church, Jesus, and gave yourself up for her. And so that's something that, that some days I'll repeat, I'll pray over and over and over, uh, realizing that, hey, I think this is actually something, it's more about what God wants to do in me than what M is or isn't doing. Yes. Uh, so God, help me love my wife. And so I'll say it inside my head, and again, sometimes over and over, help me love her like you love the church, Jesus, and gave yourself up for her. God, give me that type of love. Yeah. Change me, shape me, help me. 
So then Keller, basically second part of part of the, the text really then provides, you know, what is the secret of marriage? So he kind of, you know, counteracts what is that sort of secular worldview and really just kind of drills down on, on some of the the postures, the sounds, the tones of a, of a biblical mm. uh, worldview and, uh, sorry, a marriage view and uh, really kind of focuses in on the fact that, that marriage should have a hardness and a grittiness about it. Uh, that Like that's normal. That's normal. Um, and so I uh, want to just quote here, it, he's quoting someone else. He says, why should neurotic, selfish, immature people suddenly become angels when they fall in love? This is why a good marriage is more painfully hard to achieve than in any athletic, athletic or artistic prowess raw natural talent does not enable you to play baseball like a pro or write great literature without enduring discipline Mm. and enormous work so why should it be easy to live lovingly and well with another human being in light of what is profoundly wrong within our human nature so it should it should feel gritty and hard uh, having a good biblical marriage leaning into these spaces that we're talking about do require work Mm. anything of value uh, God doesn't want us to shortcut yeah. that process. Uh, he wants to work with us, yeah. walk with us on the journey as we build something truly wonderful here. And this is then displaying to the world something of the love of Christ and the church that would be seen and displayed in our marriages, that would let him transform us and let there be a radiating out into the world that this is truly miraculous what has been formed and i do this marriage is a mystery it's got a mysterious element and to do it as we're called to we need serious help from each other from the best wisdom around us and from a work of the spirit transforming us to be more and more like christ yeah and I mean, I do, I, I have conversations with people pretty regularly in this space about, and sometimes there's that sort of lament or, or I guess, disheartenment that a good marriage should require so much work. You know, it, it shouldn't it be easier, Em? And, and I love how Keller kind of brings this together at, at the end of this chapter and he talks about um, that the reason marriage is so painful and yet so wonderful is because it's a reflection of the gospel, which is too wonderful and painful. And so this is God's mm. work in us. And so that does require a, a level of, of leaning and a level of grit. And, you know, I always think of that example of, of like marriage is one of the few things that we stand up and declare that we will we will love each other and you know Keller talks about on your wedding day you're making a a declaration of future love and future choice it's not actually about the now it's about we're going to continue on loving each other even when it is hard for richer poor or for sickness for health that's what that covenantal declaration is when the feeling's gone when When the the feeling's gone gone, but somehow still embedded in us culturally is that the declaration of that is the work if I just stand up and declare this in front of people uh, we're going to get by but in any other facet if if I just suddenly declare I'm going to run a marathon I've then got to get down and do the work Mm. of preparing and Mm. training and growing and stretching in that space and so this good marriage this covenantal this marriage like Christ does require us kind of working at it continually great communication skills praying for one another continually asking for the fruits of the spirit to be evident 
And really what, what you're looking for is that Christian view of marriage, unlike what the worldview is, is that it's about mutual fulfillment and mutual sacrifice. Mm, yeah. And then ultimately there is a deeper level than just our, our raw desires. There is a deeper level of fulfillment and joy that comes from God and in living in his call that is formed in in our marriage and you know for us nearly 25 years that continues to grow and yeah. it's far deeper and richer than i ever could have imagined and serves a far bigger purpose than ever what we saw on that that marriage day 25 years ago uh, and so for each of us here as we wrap this together our our heart and prayer is that each of us would just be alive at day by day step by step allowing God to do in us and through us what he wants to do, realizing that we're making the decision again. I'm up for the hard work. I'm exposing the lies of this culture that have soaked in. And here we go. Yeah. Gritty, real. Let's do it. Wonderful and painful. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, beautiful people, would encourage you to get a hold of this text if you haven't seen it or been familiar with it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes and then we're going to bounce out one of the other chapters next month as we round out this season. But in the time, Mm. bless you. See you then. Remember, we didn't sign up for easy, we signed up for gritty because our world needs robust, healthy marriages. Mistakes and mess are inevitable, so let's stay committed to tenacious growth together. We believe in you. We are praying for you. It's so worth it. Thank you for joining us at the Marriage Grit Podcast. If you'd like to connect further, go to our Marriage Grit Facebook page or email us at marriagegrit at c3hh.com.au.